I have been, I, I think I didn't realize this uh, until yesterday when Jay, he was talking to me about some stuff. I didn't realize that l between Christmas and today that there's been a, just a lot of reflection I've found myself in. I don't know if this is anyone else, if it's the new year um, that's coming that kind of stirs this like pondering and reflection about the, the year that's passed, where you find yourself. Um, but I think I was doing that a little bit more than I realized. I was sharing a story that uh, my daughter had asked if we could grab Starbucks. We got a, like a, a notification that was like, it's the last, last time to get half price off of your Starbucks drinks. So she sent me a screenshot. She goes, can we go? And I'm like, sure. Um, I just glanced at it really fast. And then uh, we had a few things to do. And so we finally, I got my car stuck in a ditch, which was a whole nother story in it. And she was like, a, she, she was, I'm sorry, I'm telling you, I should have asked your permission. She was getting a little agitated because I kept saying, we're going to go to Starbucks. We're going to go to get Starbucks. And then the car got stuck. And then I was like, okay, I don't know if we're going to go. And we finally get there. My car gets out of this, like my car was like this. I just backed up into a ditch. Anyways, um, so I'm a little agitated, like just slightly agitated. We pull up to Starbucks and I ask, just am asking, um, is your half price drinks on all of your drinks or just your holiday drinks? Because sometimes they'll do the difference. And he said, um, well, they're on all of the drinks, but it's actually on Thursdays that we're doing that. And I was like, what's today? <laughs> Wednesday. Um, and so I just kind of get lost in between. Like I put on my calendar, like mom off, or I think I put mom break, no cooking. And that was late, literally from day after Christmas up until I think in, I'm giving myself until tomorrow um, because the calendar, you know, it ended at the end of December. So I just kind of shut down. But in that, I found that I've been reflecting on 2023. And then as I was getting, like, just thinking, I was thinking, what do I remember from the things that were taught here at church? Um, sometimes Jay and I, we will talk, or I'll say, hey, we should talk about this. And he'll be like, Susie, we talked about that already. And I'm like, we did? Like, I was here, and you were there? Or, you know, and, um, but sometimes, you know, you go through, you hear messages, you come, and you can kind of forget, or the Lord will speak to you, and I, like, write things down, and then sometimes I go back, sometimes I don't. But there was two things that came to mind that I was, it was impactful to me. One of the things was um, a few, I don't know, it was within the last few months, Pastor David, our youth pastor, was speaking, and he was sharing about what happens, um, what if we just prayed for somebody? And the apprehension that he felt with, like, what if God doesn't do something if I pray? And then his, as he was sharing, was like, but what if God does do something because I pray? I just was thinking about that and, and the weight of um, sharing our testimony. And as I was thinking about that, I was recently somewhere, and I want to try it. I was trying to figure out how I can tell the story without giving too many details away. I was somewhere, and I was receiving a service. And as they were doing the service, this girl, her and I, we were talking about our, our sons, okay? Our, um, our oldest boys and on the same track. We're on the same train. She's sharing her story. And then all of a sudden, she goes back. And she somehow circles back to like, yeah, I'm going to have to go to this city again. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, like, because she's saying her son likes to hang out there with his grandparents. And I was like, okay, this is, we're still on the same track. And then she started sharing how she goes to see a medium and she's went to go see this medium for the last 15 years. Okay, I don't know how we got from our sons to this. Like, I literally was like sitting there like, What? You know, I wasn't sharing about Jesus, but she began to share her testimony of 
her experiences with this medium. And she was sharing how she's, she was just sharing. That's what it ultimately was. I, I literally called Jay after and I said, I have no clue how we went from talking about our son's graduating high school to all of a sudden, like it literally was just as abrupt as it was, but it was so natural for her. And I, I didn't, I just was shocked more than anything. And, and I began to think, what stops me from sharing my testimony of the good things God has done? Like there was no on-ramp for her. There was no like, you know, transition or anything that would give an inclination of anything that I believe. She just hopped on the car and went there. And I just thought, man, I have so toned down sharing the testimony of what God is doing because I'm looking for a right moment for an on-ramp. And here's this woman who believes all of this stuff and she just jumped right on without any, like she just threw all caution to the wind. She's like she doesn't know, like literally all caution to the wind. And she's sharing. And I was sitting there as, as she was sharing it. I was like, what is happening? Like, what do I need to say? What? I, I was like kind of caught off guard. And so we finished and... I called Jay and I was so blown away by, by that. And I just said, I, more than anything, more than me sharing my faith, more than anything, I, what I recognized was I so often am waiting for the perfect opportunity. And then I was brought back to David's message where he was just saying, what if we just prayed for somebody? What if we just shared our testimony with somebody and stop walking in fear of offense? I don't know if he fully said this, but this is how I process, full of offense or fear. And what if the Lord just wants to do something and here we are just like, oh, this isn't the right moment or what if? And so I just realized this, that, that one of the things as I was reflecting on this year is, I just need to jump on the on-ramp. Like, I just need to go. Like, when I drive in California, like, I love driving in California because I can, like, maneuver traffic. Like, there's nobody's business. I, I thrive in the chaos of the freeways and the interchanges and, like, all of that. Um, but what if I just went reckless like that with the testimony of what God's doing in my life? Like, what if I just did it instead of waiting for this moment? So that was one place that I reflected. The second thing that... Um, I was thinking about what stuck out to me is last week, if you were here, uh, Pastor Jay was talking about, um, gosh, I forgot what the name of the, the, basically how Jesus, right, was God who came as man. But what he said is, Pastor Jay said this, he said, and I had never really put the, these pieces together the way that he said it. He said, for every sin symptom, the answer is Jesus. According to God, um, according to God, that Jesus was found in the, the answer was found in the arrival of this seed. Your every answer is found in Jesus because the Father's every answer is found in Jesus. If the Father's answer is always Jesus, then our answer should always be Jesus. I just thought when he said that and he said, and the Father's answer is Jesus, it like sunk my battleship. Like I hadn't realized that the answer was Jesus. And so what I realized is I'm com con contemplating where we're headed, what's happening um, at both individually, but then as a church, is that that's the answer for everything, every problem we have is Jesus. 
You know, um, I'm the worst at naming and giving titles. And so um, our piano player, Zach, oftentimes he's the one that puts stuff in. and He'll be like, what's the title of your message? And you can ask him this. I have said it for the last probably eight years with regularity. Jesus. Like, I'm just like, Jesus. I don't know, Jesus. And then, um, like, it just, that's always what I said, like, Jesus, because I just, sometimes I do know, don't know. But Jesus is really the answer to every problem we found, find ourselves in. Psalms 119, and then I'm going to pray, and I'll get into my message, and we'll get us out of here. Psalms 119, verses 33 through 40. Now, I do have a message, or title. This message title is Expectation for 2024. Um, because I think that there's a little bit of what happens is we no longer have an expectation. We just are going through the motions and we forget that we're actually here on assignment. We forget that we actually are fearfully, wonderfully made, set for this time that it says our days, that's like my favorite, my days are fashioned for me. And so I just want us as a church, but then also individually to have an expectation for 2024. And now when I say expectation, I'm not saying like I'm expecting to all of this to happen and like, you know, but no, like a good expectation that we would encounter the Lord and that we wouldn't just encounter the Lord, that we would bring the Lord's encounter to other people. And so Psalms 119 verse 33 through 40 says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statues and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness, covetousness. Turn away my ears from, or my eyes from looking at worthless things. Come on, I need a little bit of, a little less scrolling on my phone. That's like when I read that, I heard like, Suze, the, the scroll's got to stop. That's when I, that's what I read when I heard that. Um, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word in your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgment are for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Amen and amen. I believe that the Lord is wanting to us to turn to him with expectation. Turn to him that only re and be resolved. The only resolution we need is that only he will satisfy us. That only he would be the one that says that he breathes life. That his word is, he's a living water. That we would only resolve to keep our eyes to look to the only answer, which is Jesus. So is that an amen and amen? All right, those were my reflections from 2023. Of all the messages that have been taught, those two messages are what stuck out in me. And I would re encourage you, ask the Lord to go back. And the reason I say that it's important to look to say, Lord, what were you saying to me then? And what are you saying to me now? And maybe there's something in you. Um, there's a message that stuck out in you. Ask the Lord, why does that stick out in me? And watch what he begins to show you. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence that is dwelling in this place. Lord, as we are turning our attention or we continue to turn our attention to you, Lord, and our hearts are prepared to receive the word, Lord, would you speak through me? But would your Holy Spirit, our teacher, teach us individually what we need to hear so that we could walk into the new year with expectation of encountering you, with expectation of seeing you move, with expectation that you're speaking, God. We thank you that you are a faithful God and that you are fearful that you are working on our behalf in Jesus name we pray amen and amen
So um, when we divided up who was going to be teaching what, and I got the last word, the last Sunday of the year, I was like, is this a joke, guys? Like, you know, like we were working out our schedule between everybody. And um, so I, I take this very seriously. And like, I, I know that like new weeks, new days, like every, you can start at any point. Like, I get that. But there is something about when something is definitively coming to an end and definitively starting. And so I wanted, I was asking, Lord, where, where would you, where would you have us go? Um, what would you have us give our attention to? And uh, he turned me and I found myself into a portion of scripture, um, John chapter 11. And so this re resonated. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It will be on the screen. John chapter 11. You may be familiar with this. Um, but what I, I, what resonated so much with me is there's places that have seemed dead in my life. There are places where the Lord has spoken and I feels like oh, that didn't quite happen the way I thought. Um, there are places that it didn't work out um, like I thought it should, right? And, and as I was reading this and I, I found myself in different, resonating with different portions of this story. But what I felt like the Lord was saying, and it was important for us to catch this week, um, going into this new year, is that but for the glory of but for the glory of God that the son of God may be glorified through it but for the glory of God that the son of God may be glorified through it we're going to see that in scripture but i believe that that is a position and a posture of our heart that we would say lord but for your glory would you be glorified through my life despite what the circumstances look like around me john chapter 11 verse we're going to start with verse 1 now a certain man was sick lazarus of bethany the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was, uh, it was that of Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and whose brother was Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he, that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. All right, so here, here they come. A messenger comes and says, the person whom you love is sick. And then he stays. Now, I know when someone is sick. I mean, like the other day I um, was trying to help one of my children I thought they were going to need help with something, and so I threw on some Crocs. And as I threw on the Crocs, I didn't. My kids' Crocs don't have any traction on them because they wear them all the time. And so um, this child happened to go outside, and they were wet. I didn't know that, which is fine. So I was like, "Oh, I'll just throw on the Crocs and go." And as I threw on the Crocs, I slipped and fell and thud on the floor. Now I knew that. The certain child was out in the garage and um, thought surely this child heard the thud and they would rush in because why? Clearly something has happened. And the child just walked in and said, hey, aren't you so glad as I'm laying on the floor um, that I parked in the garage? And I was laying on the floor thinking, did you not hear the thump? Um, and to which the child said, well, yeah, but if it was grandma, I would have come running in. <laughs> Right? So generally when there is someone who is sick or there's an, an you generally rush or you're concerned. But here Jesus seems a little less concerned and he stays for two days. 
You know, what's interesting is I was reading this, and, and I love the way that the Lord speaks to me. And when we read scripture, he, he wants to speak to us. You know, Mary and Martha are the two sisters who had Jesus in their home. And Martha was a sister who was doing everything, and Mary was a sister that was at the feet of Jesus. We remember that, right? And, and Jesus corrects um, Martha for saying, your sister basically is doing what she needs to be doing. But what I find interesting in here that I don't want us to just pass by is that when they're talking about and giving a reference of who Mary and Martha are, and they're reminding us, listen to what he says. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. What I thought was so beautiful is it could have been worded anyway, could have said, Jesus loved the sisters and Lazarus. Jesus loved the Lazarus and his sisters. Jesus loved the one who was at his feet and worshiped and adored him. But instead, Jesus, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. What we need to be reminded about is God's pausing of things or timing when it doesn't work out, number one, isn't based on our works of what we can do. He loved Mary and Martha both, but he thought it would be in, of importance to write in Scripture that he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Because it's really at the end of the day, not about our works. He loves us if we're doing a lot. He loves us if we're not doing anything. He loves when we're at his feet in his presence. And he probably loved that Martha was trying to create a place and a presence and, and set the atmosphere for him. So what I, I love is that he mentions that he loved Martha. It's, remind, it's just a reminder that he sees us, and it's not based on our works, but his love for us. So as, as we go on, so he loved, so now Jesus loved Martha one more time just so we can grab it in our hearts and her sister and Lazarus. And now when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now what you have to understand is the verse a little bit prior, Jesus has just left because they're after him. They want to stone him. They want to kill him. So he leaves. He's in a place of rest. He gets this message. They come. He waits. Now he says, okay, let's go. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews have sought to stone you, and you're going to them again? And Jesus answered and said, Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the in night, because the light is not but one, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Then he said to him, and after that, he said, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then a disciple say, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, and they thought that he was just simply saying that he was taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. What we need to recognize is that when, when they came with the word, it wasn't that Lazarus was dead. It was that Lazarus was sick. There's something that happens in that time frame where there's a revelation that Jesus has that this is now Number one, for the glory of God, but now that he's, he's dead. There's no one that comes and says Lazarus is dead, and there's no, no indication that the sickness is going to lead to death. And yet there's a revelation. Why is that revelation there? See, when we read scripture, we can't just go past these things because all of these things matter. Because he is always working and moving on our behalf. That is why. There's a revelation he gets from his father clearly that says our friend Lazarus is dead. 
And I am glad, this is Jesus, he continues, verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you would believe, nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, he says to his fellow disciples, let us go with him that we may die with him. So I just think that's funny. Like, I, I read this, I've read it in multiple times. Like, is, is Thomas saying like, all right, Jesus is going to die. We're going to die with him. They've already tried to kill him. Like, what is it? But, but Thomas is kind of at this point, Jesus is ride or die. Like, we're in this together. I'm going with you. When I read the scripture, what I want us to be reminded of is just because our prayers are not answered immediately, it doesn't mean that, that he doesn't love us or that he's not working on our behalf. See, I think oftentimes we want God to fit in our box, right, in our, in our mind of everything that makes sense, how he's going to do it. We kind of give him a checklist. Okay, God, so I've prayed, I fasted, I did this, I gave, and so now my answer, as if like he's a genie. And, and God is like, no, 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 that's not how I do things. I want to be glorified through your life. I want to, to be glorified in your circumstance. And if things just go according to the way you want them to go to, we settle short and we fall short for what God actually wants to do. So I wonder if sometimes we want God, we want our lives to be glorified more than we want God to be glorified in our life. I'm going to say that again because that hunks, like sunk me when I was typing it. Like, oh, yes, yeah, so many times I want to be glorified. I want people to look at me and be like, wow, she's great. Or wow, isn't she wonderful? Like, you know, we all like to feel good. But do I, would I rather at whatever cost have God glorified in my life so that he's lifted high so people look to him? Because that's the whole purpose of all of this. Isn't so that people come to know me. It's that they would come to know Christ in through me and that they would be restored into relationship with him. And here it is. And Jesus isn't, wasn't moved. What I love is Jesus is not moved by the circumstances or the urgency. He moves on his own time because circumstances do not dict, dictate who or do not dictate how he will move and when he will do it. My timing doesn't determine his timing, yet he is always on time. We've heard this before, but it's true over and over again that his timing is not my timing. My timing is not his timing. And as much as I'd like things to like speed up, move, go great, and like just do all this stuff. He's just saying, hey, just trust me. Because my heart is not only for you, but my heart is that God, that my Father would be glorified through your life. The other thing that I find very particular about this that I, I think we need to catch is Jesus is willing to go back, back to a place where there's danger. Jesus is willing to go back to a place where they've sought to kill him. There is nothing and no place that Jesus will not go at when he's already done it. When he, when he died on the cross, he already said, there's nothing I have not already done for you. None, nothing you can do can make you behave into it and make me love you more. I've already done it. So he was willing to go back because of his love for Lazarus to a place that was dangerous to him. And I want to tell you that wherever you find yourself, Jesus is in there in the midst of it, waiting for you to turn to him, to call out to him, and that he is never separate. He says nothing can separate our, his love for us, but we can separate our, ourselves from him. We can separate ourselves from him through our decisions, through our choices, through our sinning, through our whatever circumstances is, but God will never separate himself from us. Because he loves us so much that he went through to the darkest places so that we could be restored into relationship with him.
You know, I, I think it's interesting as, as we're reading this, I, and we get the pleasure of reading this and knowing how it ends, right? We can, we can see the responses to people, and we can just like, if, if you don't really want, we could just like zoom forward to a few verses and see how it ends. We can't do that with our life. Wouldn't we like that? Like, okay, it's like, can I just fast forward just a little bit just to see what, what way I want to do this or how I want to respond? But they were missing what Jesus was saying the whole time. Jesus was speaking words, and they were hearing the words, but they weren't hearing the words and receiving the words. They were just hearing it for what it was versus what the, Holy, what the Lord was saying directly to them. So we're going to go on to uh, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. So obviously back then, there was no, they, they, someone died. They did what they needed to do. They did their, their herbs, their spices. They wrapped them up, their oils, they, and they put them away because, like, decay happened immediately. So now, now Lazarus is not only dead, he is wrapped in a tomb, and the tomb is covered. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles, and many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brothers. It, 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 always, every time I read about how the mourners came along and mourned with people, it always blows me away. Um, so now we have your mourners who are just mourning with, the loss of, with them with the loss of their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house, and you know, it's kind of like both of them, right? What is Mary doing? She's just, she's sitting in, in the moment of what the moment is. And Martha's like, all right, I'm going to go deal. I'm going to go do something here. I'm going to go meet Jesus right where he's at. Then uh, verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now I, I'm reading it in this tone, but I, I think that's a little bit of a, bold statement. She's, she's kind of like, God, Jesus, I don't know that she's blaming him, but there's a level of frustration she has. Jesus, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. How many times do we look to God and say, Lord, if you would have How many times, Lord, if you had, Lord, if you had answered my prayer, Lord, if you would have healed me, Lord, if you would have heard me, Lord, if you would have freed me, we come accusational towards our Savior. Because that's what she was doing. She was being accusational towards him. And she made it sound really Christianese, because then Jesus says to her, or she goes on, the Christian part of her, right, says, but even now, if you know, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, Jesus is clearly speaking, and Martha said to him, I know, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day. So she kind of adds this faith to her statement, this Christian, Christian, Christianese. But how many times have we been, how many times have I been like Martha, who's accusational towards God because it didn't work out the way I thought it should? Or we went to a church and someone at their church heard us. And then we accused that it's God. When really it's just the humanness of the person. How many times we blame God for circumstances. And he's just, and, and, and really what we're going to see is he's actually trying and he is moving and working on our behalf. 
And we're so consumed by the circumstance that we, it blocks what he's actually saying. Because what he says is your brother's going to live again. He's giving her a promise. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And when we're resurrected, I get it. And then Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives um, and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ and the son of God. And who is to come, and who is to come into this world? See, she's, she's dismissing what God can do, what Jesus can do in that moment. And he's saying, look, whoever believes in me, there is more to it. And she's saying, yeah, I get it. But the circumstance and how you were supposed to answer this prayer has passed. He's dead. He's tied up. He's put a stone by him. But she missed and I say that because I think that so, I know in my, my life, as I was looking back in 2023, there are places that I feel like, God, why didn't you answer? Like, like what, what, what? Like, or why, can't that, why can't they just get it? Why can't they walk in freedom? Why can't we have this breakthrough? What? And I start being accusational. And the Lord is saying, but do you believe that in me, that it it doesn't matter because in me you have true life. In me there's resurrected life. Just come follow me. And And I so many times will say, but yeah, Lord, I get it. Yes, I know, I know. I'll be in heaven with you. I'll be reunited with you. And he's like saying, no. There's places in my life at least, and I don't know about you, that have died. Maybe not this year, and maybe this was the year you were believing for that breakthrough, and you were contending that this year was going to be different than the last year, and guess what? This year probably just looked like the last year beyond that, and nothing has changed. But I believe that there is an expectation that he's calling us to. There's an expectation for this next year that isn't going to just come because we say the right things. That isn't going to just come because it's like, yes, Lord, I know you can do it. I know I move from victory. And we say these things. No, there's an expectation he's inviting us to, to come and posture ourselves before him, only for him. Not for what he can do, not for what he can change, only for him. Because this is about our resurrected life in him so that he's glorified in and through my life and in this place. I believe, I believe, I believe that in order for us to experience the things that God wants to do in our life, there's things we have to let go of. And a little bit of a, it might be entitlement to what God should do. I'm going to say that again. It's a little bit of letting go of the entitlement of what God, what we think God should do. And more of an expectation that he's doing what he needs to do because he's God. That he's moving on our behalf because how did he know that Lazarus was dead? There was something that was already in the works that we read in scripture that shows that there was more that was happening than what is put in scripture. But when we read the language and the tenses and things that he says and he knows, that means he's moving on the behalf of Mary and Martha whom he loved and Lazarus because scripture and wording indicates he was already he was already doing these things. He had already declared it must be be this way so that God would be glorified. 
Are we willing to let things die and allow the Lord to resurrect those things so that God gets the glory instead of doing all of our like one, two, three, step, eight, step, three, and then we get glorified and it stops there. No, I believe God wants to move mightily in this place and in, in our lives. And it's not just about this church, that there's people. I say this all the time because I know it to be true, like the woman that I have this encounter with who's searching for an answer. And so she's going to a medium for 15 years. 15 years she has sought someone, paid someone to give her answers about her life. And now all of a sudden I find myself 15 years later in the same room with her. Do I not believe that the Lord wants to do something? Right? It's not just coincidence. I don't know how many other customer she's telling this to, but we find ourselves, and I believe in a real and living God, and I know that stuff is of the devil, and I know how that binds people, and I can, in the right time, and now I know to pray when I go in to say, Lord, what would you have me to say? What would you have me to do right now? Because there's people that only I, you, and I have access to. There's an awakening that there's an expectation that the Lord is just saying, would you just, I, I know you. Would you just know I'm moving and I'm working? Verse 28 of John chapter 11. And when she had heard these things, as Martha heard these things, she went away and secretly called to her sister saying, the teacher has, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Okay, she's lying. Can we just talk about this for a moment? She goes and she's like, hey, Jesus, she says the teacher. Okay, the teacher's here and he's calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she arose quickly and came to him. I had to ask myself, why did she lie? And it was her perception, I think, of how she thought Jesus loved her. Because remember, Jesus corrects her the last time, saying, Martha, you're about the wrong things. Your sister is here. Oh, and comparison kills, right? We start comparing ourselves. We get ourselves into all sorts of situations. And here, Martha doesn't even know how much he loves her. And so she says, hey, can, can you go? The teacher is here. He's secretly calling to you. We know that's not true. But their heart posture was different. Martha thought she, there was probably something more she needed to do. She needed to do it a little bit better. So my sister, he, he, he likes my sister. So let me go send my sister in, right? Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in her house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, they went out and followed her. Could you imagine having mourners with you all of the time following you? That's what was happening here. So they get up and she gets up and they get up and she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary saw, came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet. See her posture. It's about this posture. She positions herself in a lowly place. And what's interesting is she almost says the exact same thing Martha says to him. But the posture is different. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. What's different? She doesn't add any, like, Christian-ness to it. She just says, if you would have been here but she's already positioned her heart at a lowly place. And she humbles and she just is at his feet, mourning and grieving and sad. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping 
and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in, his spirit, in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Then he said, Lord, then said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. You know, what I find interesting is this is a moment where Jesus' humanness is evident. He groans in his spirit. But then he weeps and grieves with them. I think sometimes we forget. It says in scripture that he's interceding. So in heaven, there is no tears. There is no sorrow. There is no pain. But he intercedes for us. But in this moment, his humanness is in that grieving. We know now and later in, in John, in, in, he says, I'm going to send one to be with you. And we know that he sends the Holy Spirit to be our comforter in sorrow and in our pain. But this just shows how he wants to be present in our pain, that he is our ever-present help. That he doesn't just go about his business and just be Jesus and raise him from the dead. He sits in the grief of where they are. And I want you to know today that he wants to sit in your grief with you. He says he sends the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. That means he doesn't want us just to bypass those things. He, us, he, he invites us to acknowledge the pain and the sorrow we feel where things have seemingly been lost. He doesn't just rush into it. He is present with them in their pain. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay aside, laid against it. Sorry. Jesus said, Take away the stone. And good, oh, Martha. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead for four days. This just goes to show that she had already rendered what God was going to do, how Jesus was going to move. She had already determined in her heart. Because didn't he say multiple times, he's going to live, he's going to live? Again, she had determined in her mind already what was going to happen. How many times have we done that in our own life? How many times have we said, oh, well, what's the point of trying? Like, why, why am I going to pray again? Or why am I going to go pray for that person? That Last time I prayed for that person, nothing happened. Or last time I gave, nothing happened. Or last time I went to church, they hurt. Like, right? That's kind of what Martha does here. She's already determined he's dead and he's going to be resurrected with you. Oh, but Jesus. But Jesus. And this is where I want us to begin to see our posture for 2024. Because this shows how he's mightily has already moving. You know, I just want to speak that wherever, whatever seems dead in your life, whatever place that you have rendered like it's been defeated, that God is saying, I am moving on your behalf and I am not done and I am not finished. Because he has went before and it says he's interceding on our behalf with the Father in heaven. He's seated in heaven heavenly places, interceding and praying for us. If you've never had the opportunity to press into prayer where you intercede in the inner parts of you are groaning and you can't even begin to breathe because the presence of God is so deep and you just keep pressing in, keep pressing in. That's what he's doing for us because he loves us and he's interceding for each and every one of us. And even though there's places that seem dead, I want you to know we need to have an expectation for 2024 that it doesn't 
need to look the same. It can and it will if there is no expectation you have that God is moving on your behalf. So Martha, she says, like, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and this is what is so important. Jesus lifts up his eyes. He's able to do it. He's already done it. He's there, and the first thing he does is he lifts up his eyes, and he says, Father, I thank you that you have what? Heard me. What tense is that? That's a past tense. When do we read in the scripture that he was praying? We don't ever see it. We don't ever know. And yet he turns to his father and he does it as an example. And he says, I lift up and father, I thank you that you have heard my prayers. Thank you that you have heard me. I want to declare that the Lord has heard you. He has heard the groanings. He has heard your prayers. He is not done. And it's time for you and I to turn our eyes to him away from the circumstance and say, Father God, I thank you that you have heard me and I come into this year with expectation that you hear me and that you're going to move in my family, that you're going to bring healing, that you're going to bring the financial breakthrough, that you're going to bring the breakthrough, that you're going to bring the salvation of that person who doesn't know you, that you're going to scare that woman that she's not going to know what to do and all of a sudden I'm going to say I have the answer. The answer is Jesus. That's a whole bunch of like cuckoo craziness and yeah, I know some things have worked out for you but that's a of the devil. Okay, maybe I won't quite tell her like that, but I'm saying, Lord, would you, well, maybe I might, but you know, like, I'm just going to say, Lord, I thank you that you've heard me and that you're moving on her behalf. Lord, I call out her name, that her eyes would be open. This is what the life of the believer is supposed to be like. And so many times we get stuck like Martha, who was a believer and say, oh, well, God, he's dead. Like Jesus, he's dead. Like, he should smell. It's been four days. And he's saying, like, did I not say that you would see the glory of God? And I'm saying, Chapel Valley, have you not known that he wants to show you the glory of God to be revived in your life, to bring revival to your marriage, to the relationship with your children, your relationship with your neighbors? Like, it's so much bigger than just me being glorified in my life, being good and comfy. It's about him being glorified in my life. And so he's saying, so he turns and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know you always hear me. Would that just be a posture, Lord? I know that you always hear me. I know. And because the enemy will come in and say, but you didn't read. You didn't read all of your chapters. You didn't finish actually the whole book of the Bible. Or you didn't, you didn't like, he'll just come in with the lies and we need to say, no, I know my father hears me. I know my father loves me. He hears me. And I know you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I have said this, that they may believe you sent me. See, there was a whole group of people that needed the salvation of Jesus. There was a whole bunch of people who were just trying to kill him. And so he goes through all of that and says, I say all this so that they know that you sent me. Now, when he heard these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died, came out bound hand and foot with the grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. All right, I'm almost done, because here's, here's what, this is what I've heard for 2024. This is what I'm hearing, is that Jesus came to the place where Lazarus is buried for four days. The stone is removed. He turns around and he gives thanks first. I'm telling you, we need to posture ourselves in a place of gratitude and thanksgiving towards the Lord, because that kills every 
every level of entitlement that we have towards how we think he should be doing things. When I began to say, Lord, I know that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. It begins to suffocate the entitlement that the world is saying, you're entitled to the promotions. You're entitled to this position. You're entitled to this. You're entitled. No, 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 no. I'm entitled to nothing. But I think that the Lord has heard me. He knows my name and he hears me and he's going to move mightily on my behalf. So the first thing for expectation is we need to move to a place of gratitude and thanksgiving. The second thing, the second thing for us to walk with expectation um, is that he does something that literally um, he wants us to experience in the life of Christ. See, what we find ourselves in is we were once dead, right? It says in scripture, we even sing about it today, that we are a new creation. We talk about this. See, at one point in our life, we were dead and decaying just like Lazarus. And what does he do? He calls Lazarus by name and he still calls you by name today. He calls us by name. The enemy would have us believe that our decay is what separates us from God. Yet it is in that decay and it isn't until we die to ourselves that Christ is resurrected in us. So what the enemy would like to say, hey, you're not worthy. Uh, hey, you don't have enough. Jesus says, oh, no, no, you actually first need to die to yourself so that you can be resurrected in me. Because once Lazarus was dead, what did Jesus do? He resurrected him. So we know that we first need to die to ourselves to find Christ. And in our death, we are resurrected with Christ who is sitting in heavenly places. The second thing I know that the Lord wants to do is he wants to loose the things that have kept us in bondage. So in order for there to be expectation, there's things that have kept us in bondage. When Lazarus came out, he was bound. He was alive, but he was bound. There are still things in our lives that are keeping us bound. And I believe the Lord wants to loose those things today. We're going to, I know we're running out of time, but we're going to, we're going to take care of that today because Lazarus was literally loose from the places that kept him wrapped in death. And Jesus wants to loose the old grave clothes from us that keep us wrapped in an old life. Some of the things we keep wrapped up in ourselves, things that we're watching, things that we're doing, people we're hanging around with, all of those things keep us bound into the old life. But Jesus is here today and he wants to begin to loosen those things and loosen our hands and loosen our feet and uncover our face so that we are fully seen and known by him and we are fully seen and known by others. Even though, uh, even though Lazarus was called to life, he still needed to be loose. And so he, be I believe that he's saying we're going to lose some things today and we're going to let go of those things so we're not bringing them into 2024. Like we don't, we don't need to. Uh, one of my kids was talking about forgiveness and uh, they were saying, yeah, like, well, actually like the third time I actually forgave the person. And I just chuckled because they were like, I tried it the first time and I prayed and I didn't feel like I didn't feel anything different. So then I, again, released them and prayed and still hadn't forget, forgive everything or still felt unforgiveness towards them. And then they said, but I actually think like this time I like have let it go. There's things that we just got to let go. And then like, even if we, they keep creeping back, we got to let them go and say, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not going to stay bound by those things. See in, in Colossians, and we're not going to go there, but Colossians three, write this down. Uh, chapter three, it talks about what our old life in Christ is like in our new life in Christ. And it says, let go of like a perverse mouth, let go of the way you used to think, let go of the fleshly things that you do and take on the new Christ. Think about things that are on me versus on things of this world. So Colossians chapter three, that is what it says. The last thing in chapter John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So not only does he loose them, does he call them out of the decay by name? He then invites them, and I believe that this is the invitation to us to be at the table to sit with him. We see in, uh, it says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came uh, to Bethany where Lazarus, who was, had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, 
there made him a supper, and Martha served him. Go figure, Martha was serving. Um, but Lazarus was the one who sat at the table with him. See, the enemy wants us to keep us separated from the Lord. He wants us, those places to be a place of separation. And I believe that he's inviting us to come sit at the table with him. Because in the end, what is the answer? Jesus. It's so simple. When you find yourself in that circumstances, Jesus, you're the answer. When you find yourself at a place of frustration and angry, Jesus, you're the answer. Can you, like, give me the answer, please? Like, the answer key, can you help me? Jesus is the answer. If we don't have an expectation, for, or our expectation is that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just here for the ride. Nothing will change. Nothing. If you've already determined that you can't hear God, he doesn't speak to you, nothing's going to change. If you already say, because there's people are online like, yeah, I've done this already. I'm just coming to come or I just turn on to tune on to say that I've done it. Nothing will change. But I believe that he has an act. He wants us to come with expectation and just be at his feet. 